0: Notice that the devil likes to slam God in your mind? Have you ever noticed that? Because the battlefield is your mind and my mind. The battlefield is the mind. Uh, Most of the battles you and I experience happen between your two ears And, and the devil sows thoughts. Now, one of the things he loves to do is paint God in a way that he's not appealing to you or me. So he tells us God is a gotcha God. He's just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can gotcha, getcha, gotcha. He's waiting for you to make a mistake so he can stomp on you and condemn you and that God has a furrowed brow and steam coming out of his ears, and he's a gotcha God. But the Bible doesn't paint God that way at all, Uh, and it doesn't paint Jesus that way either. The Bible paints the Lord as being very gentle, very merciful, very kind, Very long-suffering with us. How many of you are so glad he's patient with you and me? How many of you would be as patient with you as God is with you? Nope. Now, we would have done gotcha, but not God. God is patient. Now, Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, painted the coming Messiah in a way that I want us to see today. And I'm just going to call this message Hanging by a Thread. How many of you, tell the truth, feel like today... You're hanging by a thread in some way or another. Okay? We get that way, don't we? Now, Isaiah is going to describe and explain the person and the character of Jesus and how he deals with those who are hanging by a thread. So let's read it. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold. He's talking about Jesus. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He won't shout. He won't cry out. He won't raise his voice in the streets. Now watch this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring justice. I already feel the anointing of God on this. Because some of you need to know the Lord's not out to get you unless you want to put it this way. He's out to get you healed. He's out to get you blessed. He's out to get you whole. He's out to get you peace. If you want to look at it that way, he's a gotcha God. Amen? So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the word of the living God. We have approached, Lord, the sacred word. This is your word. But, Lord, it's a word Aimed at, that is targeting the suffering, the hurting, the downcast, the fragile, the wounded, the shattered. And I pray that, Lord, this word will go out, not only in this congregation, but by our webcast. And I'm looking at you right now, those of you watching by webcast, we love you. And we pray that the Holy Spirit visits you right there in your house in your car, your place of business, wherever you are, we love you. And we're praying for, because there's no time or space with God, his spirit can visit you and will visit you and already is right where you are. Now, Lord, thank you for your touch today. And I pray that you will change us, rearrange us, encourage us, and give us fresh hope in Jesus' mighty name. Breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me today. I need your strength. I need your touch. Thank you for giving that to me. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, good to see you in the house of God. God heard that prayer. Amen. Now, uh, this this, uh, verse or these verses that I just read out of Isaiah, uh, they are a prophecy about Jesus Christ. He's prophesying, which only God can do. Only God knows the end from the beginning. Only God can reach into the future and see exactly what's going to happen and come back into the present and tell you what's going to happen in the future. Because God is already in the future, and he's in the present, and he's in our past. Amen? So Isaiah, being led by the mighty God, is, is seeing into the future the coming of the Messiah. And God is showing him the character of the Messiah, how the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to deal with hurting people, how he's going to approach hurting people, what his attitude will be towards hurting people. Now, he says, he, he calls the Lord Jesus, my chosen one. He says, I'm going to put my spirit on him. And we're going to read a verse about that later in this message out of Isaiah 61, where he elaborates on what that means. But he said, I'm going to put my spirit on him. He's finally going to bring justice to the earth where every wrong is going to be made right. Won't that be a great day? Because so often courts don't make things right. They're supposed to, but they can't. There's no such thing as perfect justice until Jesus comes. But then there will be perfect justice. But then Isaiah tells us something powerful and precious about the character of Jesus that, that I really want us to walk out of here with an understanding of today. Uh, he describes the way, once again, Jesus will deal with people who are on the edge. Ever been on the edge? Some of you are on the edge right now, but I've sure been on the edge many times. And he says, let me tell you how I see the Messiah, how, how the Father is showing me the Messiah is going to deal with people who are on the edge, who are on the edge of life, who are on the edge of things, who are barely hanging on. How's he going to deal with them? He says, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he's not going to snuff out. Now, let me tell you what that means. This jumped out at me, this verse, these beautiful verses, because it, it, it describes a gentle Jesus. A gentle Jesus, a merciful Messiah, a loving Lord regarding hurting people. How many of you have hurt bad in your life? Come on, raise your hands. Don't we live in a hurting world? Man, you can't read the news without realizing that our our world is one great, big, festering, hurting wound. But I got good news for our world. If they want the good news, Jesus Christ died for hurting people. He died for hurt people. He died for wounded people and shattered people. Now, Isaiah uses two illustrations to describe different types of hurting people. His first illustration is a bruised reed. A bruised reed, which is a picture of, uh, of deeply damaged people. Somebody bruised, a bruised reed. Now, the word bruised comes from a Hebrew word meaning cracked or half broken. Cracked or half broken. So, so it says that he will not break an already cracked or broken reed. He will not finish the job he will not come in and finish you off if you're struggling just to get by this is a metaphor for a person who has been deeply hurt devastated broken shattered in life the humpty dumpties of life and i got news for you all of us are humpty dumpties and you know how that poem goes all the king's horses all the king's men couldn't put humpty dumpty back together again but they forgot one king Because there is one king who can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I want you to say his name with me, Jesus. Come on, say it again, Jesus. So this is a metaphor. He's drawing a picture for us. This is people who are hanging by a thread, almost gone under, barely putting one foot in front of the other. Life has dealt some heavy blows. Some major hurts. And this person that used to have a skip in their step and a gleam in their eye and a smile on their face now gets up and doesn't want to get up. When it's morning time, they wish it was evening. And when it's evening, they wish it was morning because they're mourning. They're walking around with pains that can't seem to get fixed. Their soul is bruised. Their lives are bruised. And because of the pain in their life, they're reaching out to different things to satisfy or to numb the pain. Alcohol, drugs, relationship after relationship after relationship, anything that can somehow numb or fix or anesthetize the pain. But there is no fix unless it is fixed by the one who made you in the first place. And that's the whole idea here. And we've all seen, he, he, he compares us to a bruised reed. We've all seen these bruised reeds, these, these reeds he's talking about. They're water plants, kind of, I think of cattails. And they come up out of the water, they, they, they thrive in ponds or lakes, and they get about three to eight feet high, and they poke up out of that water. And because they're so thin, they're fragile. And the winds blow, and the waves hit these reeds. And when the wind blows these reeds, because they're so tall and thin, they bend and, and they break and they get easily bruised. And so he's talking about the bruised reed. And he's comparing you and I to that reed. When the winds of trial come, the adversities of life beat against us. It so often bruises us. It hurts us. Somebody does us wrong and we're hurt inside. We're in an adversarial world. We're in a world of battle. The devil is the prince of this world. Anything he's the prince of, it's got to be bad. So, he's comparing us to to this reed that gets bent or snapped because they're so fragile and easily damaged. And he says people are exactly the same way. You may feel strong, you may feel invincible, but you are not. Uh, have you been to a high school reunion lately? Did you see all the people, the former football stars, the former homecoming queens, all the people that had it all going on back then? Did you even recognize them when you saw them at the high school reunion? Yeah, and you thought to yourself, what in the world happened to you? Let me tell you what happened to them. Life happened to them. Because life is hard. Life is tough. This world is not easy. Jesus assured us, "In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but fear not. I have overcome the world." Amen. Amen. So, so we're compared to a bruise, but really, you could also use the illustration of a cracked jar of clay, because bruise means cracked or broken, and so you got to think of a cracked jar. A cracked piece of pottery. A once beautiful jar that was on display for all to see has now been damaged. And that's you and that's me. You look at the pictures of you and me when we were little bitty babies. Oh, so cute. And you look at some of them and go, what happened to him? What happened to her? I can answer it. Life is what happened. Life has dealt some hard blows. And and this jar now is cracked. You, me. This jar is now cracked. It's damaged goods that nobody wants. And this first illustration of a bruised reed or a cracked jar suggests that the damage is visible. You know, if I'm going through a pottery store and I, and I see a beautiful vase that I might want to buy, but if I look closely, then I see a crack, I see a crack on the outside, its value drops immediately. I may not, may not even want it because now it's cracked. It's visible. When something is cracked, it's visible to the naked eye. And that's the idea here. That what has happened to this person that Isaiah is referring to that Jesus died for is no mystery. The various trials that have brought them to this place of being cracked or bruised or shattered are known. We know what happened to them. That divorce, loss of that job, that destructive drug habit, alcohol habit. Whatever it was that got hold of their life, it's no mystery. We see the crack on the outside. Their outer life is visible to all, so it's known. But the second illustration uses a smoldering wick, points to the inward life of a person. This is what's going on inside them. It's not outside. It's not outer. You can't see it unless you know them real well. It's inward. It it, is pointing to a condition of their heart that might be hidden to most people around them. You know, you don't really know someone till you're around them all the time and live with them. Then you begin to see things the outer folks, outer society does not see. You begin to see the inner woundings. You begin to see the inner pain. You begin to see, and that's what that's what Isaiah's talking about. The smoldering wick is an inside thing. In this second illustration, Isaiah is pointing to burned out people. Burned out. When you're burned out, you can look great on the outside, but really be dying on the inside we 've all seen a candle that is burned down it 's just barely flickering. The slightest breeze would blow it out and that 's exactly what Isaiah has in mind that Jesus Christ came to die for not only cracked jars that you can see on the outside, but for those who are dying on the inside and nobody knows it. The, the a flame, the flame of zeal, the flame of first love, the flame of passion for, for God, for Jesus, that, that, that inner fire the Holy Spirit puts within us is now just barely a flicker. Life has happened. Things have happened People have happened. Circumstances have happened. The Hebrew word for smoldering here means barely a flicker, burning feebly, almost extinguished. You're just barely, barely. you got enough Holy Ghost power in you to barely get out of bed, barely get through a day. You're barely getting by because the fire is almost out. The, group, the bruised reed and the crackpot are visible. The smoldering wick is unknown to most people because it's their inner life. Listen, it's the inner life, the hidden part of them that's in trouble. This person may have a great job, a nice car, wear the best clothes, carry a Neiman Marcus or what I like to call needless markup credit card. They sport a million dollar Hollywood smile more permanent than Mona Lisa's. You see them, they're always smiling. But on the inside, here's the truth, their inner fire, the zeal, the hope, the spiritual passion, their first love that once blazed brightly is now barely flickering What has happened to you? Different things have extinguished the fire in me. I got offended. I got hurt. I got left behind. I was betrayed. My dreams didn't happen. Something. My future did not unfold like I thought that it would. I thought God said this, but he didn't say this. He said that instead. And now I'm dealing with spiritual burnout. I just don't have the get up and go anymore that I used to have. Am I talking to anybody today? This is so important because you feel like you're holding your world up with a toothpick. Life doesn't have any meaning like it used to. The thrill is gone from your spiritual journey. You used to be in church every time the doors open. And I'm talking to some people watching by webcam right now. I love you. But let me tell you, if you could have been here and you're not, you should have been here. Now, why aren't you here? I'm not, listen, I'm not getting on to you, but let me get on to you. Let me tell you, has this happened to you? Has the fire gone out? Are you trying to hang on? Listen, there's a sanctuary full of people that have experienced the same thing. You ought to get here and rub shoulders with us. You say, well, there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. And and, and and, well, come and help us not be hypocrites. I'm a hypocrite too. I mess up sometimes too. But come on and help us not be a hypocrite. But I understand your pain. Because it's hard to get going when the fire is out. It's hard to keep going when the fire is out. It's hard to be excited when you're not excited. It's hard to put on a show when you don't really feel the way people expect you to. Well, listen, we 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 hypocrites here, we don't care if you don't put on a show. We want you to come and be real. We want you to come and be who you really are here. And I, and I say that in love because I've been where you are. I understand it. The Bible says about your inner life, your inner man, that part of you that is your soul, that part of you where the spirit of God lives inside of you and lit that initial flame of first love and zeal in you, that inner man, the strength of your spiritual life is what props you up and carries you. If you, if you go to the gym every day, And you are ripped and muscular. And they could put you on a magazine cover. That is not what covers you and carries you. That is not your greatest strength. Your greatest strength is in the inside. Because you can be mighty on the outside, but dying on the inside. Listen to the Bible. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? What can you do when your spirit is crushed? Listen to this version. The spirit of a man, that inner part of you, can help you through sickness. But who can carry a broken spirit? In other words, if you're dying on the inside, you can't go through anything without it breaking you down. But if you're strong on the inside, you can go through anything because the spirit inside of you will carry you. It will carry you. If you've got a healthy interior life, it will carry you through any and all trials. But if your interior life is not healthy and strong, anything can break you down. Come on, everybody. And usually the two conditions bruise reed, smoldering wick, go together. Whatever it is that cracked the outer pot has also affected the candle within, maybe in your own life. Winds of adversity have blown. The rains of hardship have fallen. A flood of trials is beating on your spiritual house, and you feel like today the flame inside of you is just barely a flicker. You're just trying to stay alive. You're just trying to stay alive, but you feel like you're going through the motions. You feel like you're just going through the, you know how to act in church. You, you know how to walk the walk and talk the talk. But and, and so you get by without people really knowing that deeply inside of you, you're, you're struggling. You may even be in a faith crisis. I talk to people fairly often who are in a faith crisis. Uh, they're they're questioning God. Where was he? Why did he let this happen? Where, where was God when this all went down in my life? And that flame is flickering. It's not blazing anymore. And they need to find a way. That's why Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, fan into a flame the gift of God that's within you. Fan it into a flame. Don't let, Timothy, the flame flicker. But fan it into a blaze again. Amen. Trouble happens to Christians all the time. Say, Pastor Jeff, you ought not confess that. Well, it's just the truth. You can confess all day that you're not going to suffer, but you're still going to suffer. Well, oh, I don't receive that. Well, don't receive it. That's okay. You're still going to suffer <laughs> because we're in a suffering world. You say, well, if I just confess it, I won't. No, that's just not true at all. If Jesus told me I'm going to suffer, then brother, I'm going to suffer. Come on, everybody. Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, I've got good news today. The broken, bruised, and burned out of this world are the people Jesus came to die for and and rise again from the dead. He came for you and me, because guess what? Truth be known, we've all been bruised. We've all been broken. We've all been shattered. We all need to be put back together. Come on, everybody. Is that you? Is that is that you? That's me. Jesus didn't come to judge the world, condemn the world, destroy the weak and the fragile of this world. No, 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 that's not why he came. The prophet said, a bruised reed, when he encounters somebody bruised, he will not break them. When he encounters a smoldering wick, I'm just barely hanging on, Lord. I don't have what I used to have. I don't have that fire that I used to have. He will not snuff it out. His heart is to fix us, not nix us. Amen? Jesus won't crush or break the already bruised and broken. He will not shatter the already cracked jar. He's a healer. He's a restorer. He's a lover. He's a fixer. He, He Come on, everybody. He's a deliverer. Jesus won't deepen your afflictions, worsen your trials, or multiply your sorrows. That is not what he's about. He brings healing, restoration, wholeness, and renewed hope. I read this week about Canadian pop star Justin Bieber. Couldn't believe it. I just saw a story on him. Justin has now turned to Christ. He's totally plugged into a great church. And he told his story. He said, on the outside, it looked like Justin had the world by the tail. That's what the story said. Fame, fortune, women, everything. Before he was even 20, he had mega millions. Before he was even 20, he was on top of the world. Seemed to have it all. But the story goes on to say that Justin was a bruised reed. And nobody knew. He says he ultimately reached a dangerous place where he was descending. I'm quoting now his own words. I was descending into a downward spiral of partying and drug abuse And found myself lost and confused, depressed and angry. I withdrew from those who cared about me and found it hard to even get out of bed in the morning. But then the article went on to say, he says, but in the end, it was only Jesus who could turn it all around. Now he says, even when the odds are against you, keep fighting because Jesus loves you. Amen. Come on, everybody. The Lord's moving all the time. He's moving all the time. Now, the prophet, maybe we can bring him sometime. Now, the prophet Isaiah not only mentions the character of Jesus, but the details of his ministry. I want you to listen to what Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do. It's good news. I want you to get ready to get blessed. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the first verse Jesus ever quoted in his preaching ministry. The first Bible verse he ever quoted is this one I'm quoting to you. When he stood up in the synagogue uh, on the beginning of his ministry, the first verse he quoted was this one about himself. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the broken hearted. My my news, my message is to the suffering and afflicted. I came to comfort those broken in heart, announce liberty to captives. That means bound to sin. To open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to tell all who mourn that he is going to give beauty in the place of ashes, joy in the place of mourning, praise in the place of heaviness. That's praising ground right there, everybody. Come on. Look what Jesus is anointed to do. I gotta read it again. He said, you know why I came? You know why the Spirit of God came upon me? Let me tell you why. Because the ashes, some of you, your life is nothing but a pile of ashes. He says, I'm gonna give you beauty in the place of those ashes. What looks hopeless and dead and gone to the natural eye, I'm gonna touch it and I'm gonna take ashes and make something beautiful out of it. He said, I'm going to give joy in the place of mourning. And that word mourning means depression, oppression, down, your dark hour. It's when you can't see two feet in front of you. You're so blue, so depressed. He said, I came to replace that kind of mourning with my kind of joy. And then he said, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to make you a praiser. I'm going to make you some of you you can't get your hands up half mass. Let me tell you something. You better get them up because heaven's coming and believe me in heaven they're going all the way up. Come on everyone. Praise, I want you to say with me praises of God. Praises of God. And, and look look what he said. I'm going to give you a praising spirit in the place of a heavy spirit. Amen. How do you get rid of a heavy spirit? Just start praising God. Good thing about praise is you can praise him in the car. You can praise him in the bathroom. You can praise him at work. You can praise him walking down the street. You can praise him when you go to bed. You can praise him when you wake up. There's no place you can't praise God. You can praise God anywhere. And praise is powerful. Come on, everyone. Christianity is not just, oh, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Oh, please. Jesus didn't die on the cross to get you in a building once a week. Oh, no, 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 no. It's way, way deeper than that. He died to pull you out of the pit of your sin to deliver you from hell, to fill you with life. And it gets even better. He died and rose from the dead so that he would make you into the likeness of himself, that you would grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. That's why he died. It's not just going to a church once a week, coming into a building, but it is walking with him every day where he begins to replace ashes with beauty and mourning with joy and heaviness with praise. You're not who you used to be. This is the ministry of Jesus. He's not a destroyer. He's a healer. That's the message of the smoldering wick and the cracked jar. Uh, He's not a destroyer when he comes upon you and you're damaged goods. He's a healer. He's not a condemner. He's an encourager. He didn't come to knock you down. He came to pick you up. Even when you can't work up the strength to look up, he will pick you up when you can't get up on your own. And when your inner fire is barely flickering, he's going to care for it, cherish it, feed it, and fan it into flame again. He's not going to come and say, well, you let it get this low. I'm just going to take you out. No, that's not Jesus. He said, I'm going to pick you back up. Can we thank God for that? I'm going to pick you back up. Now, the last thing I want to mention about our gentle, merciful Savior is that in his hands, today's pain is preparing you for tomorrow's promotion. Can I say that again? Today's pain is preparing you for tomorrow's promotion. See, when we hurt in the world, we hurt until it kills us. We hurt with no hope. We hurt until it takes us out. We hurt until we're damaged for life. But when we belong to the one who puts us on the potter's wheel and he's in charge of all things and he's already decreed that anything and everything we go through will be be made to serve our good and his purpose in our life. When you walk with that kind of God, then God never wastes a pain in the lives of his children. Pain precedes promotion when you walk with God. Can I say it again? Pain precedes promotion when you walk with God. When I read my Bible, I find that pain often precedes promotion in the lives of God's people. God being God is able to use your pain and mine for his glory and for our spiritual growth each and every single time. Whatever the pain is, physical, spiritual, Mental, relational, financial, whatever the cause of the pain is, doesn't matter. God's going to take it, and God's going to work it, and God's going to use it. There is no way around it. He's decreed he will. For instance, Jesus had the pain of his cross before the glory of his crown. Israel had the pain of the wilderness before the fruit of the promised land. David had the pain of persecution from Saul before his promotion to king over Israel. Joseph went from the painful pit of prison to the pinnacle of promotion in Egypt. Pain preceded promotion. Job went through the pain of testing to the promotion of receiving double for his trouble. Abraham went through the pain of Of 25 years of barrenness and was rewarded with the promotion of a child in his old age when it should never have happened. Amen. I could go on, but you get the picture. Come on, everybody. You see the picture. Pain. Everybody say pain. In God's hand, pain brings gain. Now, you may not like that, and I don't like pain. I'm not asking for pain. I've never had to. It's always found me somehow. But here's the deal. Pain in the hands of God becomes gain because he has decreed, I'm going to work it for your good. I'm going to work it for your good. We can say with Joseph, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it for my good. What the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it for my good. What would have taken me out and ruined my life, God has turned it for my good. Pain was a tool in the hands of God to accelerate spiritual growth. In God's hands, the Christian goes from pain of trials to the promotion of ministry to others. Paul wrote, what a wonderful God we have. Can we say that together? What a wonderful God we have. Can you say it louder? What a wonderful God we have. Can we just take a minute and say, Jesus, thank you. What a wonderful God we have. What a wonderful God we have. Thank you, Lord. Now let me keep reading. Paul's bragging on God here. What a wonderful God we have. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of every mercy. And he's the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and our trials, we could say in our pain. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and the same comfort God gave us. I did so many funerals in my life. I presided over so many. Mostly saved people, a few who, who were lost, but children, suicides, you name it, I presided over that funeral. But I did not understand the deep pain of losing a, a loved one until I lost Kathy over three years ago. And then I even kicked myself for some of the things I had said at funerals, just being, you know, the preacher, that weren't insensitive. But they, but they, weren't, they weren't really what they needed. Now I look down on the front row at the family and I say, I get it. I get it. And, and it's going to take a while for you to get over this. It's going to take a while for you to walk through your grief. I know what it is to lose a loved one. And now I can, I can, I mean, somebody really close. So now I can look at them and go, I, I not only, um, can quote the word to you, but I can empathize. I can sympathize. I, I get it. I'm, I'm there. I've been, I've been in this. So I can give them what he's given to me. I can comfort them in the way that he comforted me. Are you hearing me today? See, pain precedes promotion. And the greatest promotion you can ever have is to be able to minister to people. Come on, everyone. See, when, when somebody's kids go crazy on them, I can sympathize with them because one of my two kids went crazy on me. And we suffered for years over it, for years. Uh, You know, every day, every night when he, Jeremy, he wouldn't mind me saying this, but every night when he went to bed, I prayed over him, spoke the word over him, uh, told him I loved him, was at all the games. But then when he hit 13, 14, something dark came over his life. And here I was pastoring, preaching, and I, it was like, how in the world am I going to get up and preach an up message to a congregation when I am dying at home? I'm telling you, it was a predicament. And, and he went off into drugs. He went dark. It was inexplicable. There is, to this day, I don't get it. And there was nothing I could say, nothing I could do. There was, there was no, he wouldn't listen to me. And I thought, how can this be? He's been raised with all he ever saw me do was walk with God, you know, love God in the word, in prayer, preach the word. That's all he ever saw. Well, what is this? It was just a satanic attack. And was the devil coming to take my family out. And and so now, now he's totally off everything and has been for almost 20 years. He's not hooked on anything. But let me tell you, <clears throat> can I tell you the truth? It, w- it was seven to eight years of pure hell. And, and so when, when, when somebody says, my kids, I, I, I don't know how it's happened. They've gone straight. I, my heart can go out because God comforted me, carried me through when my own son went crazy on me. So I can say to them, look, you don't see the end. You're only seeing now. But God's not done. It's never over till God has had his say. Amen? Amen. So I want us to stand together today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to say with me, Jesus came for the broken, the burned out, and to transform our pain into spiritual gain. Amen. I don't know where you are in your life, but I want us to lift our hands to the Lord right now. If if, if you're a cracked jar, he's not coming to take you out. He's coming to make you whole. If the flame of zeal in your life is just barely flickering, he's not going to come snuff it out and say, way to go, guy. You let it get this low. I'm just going to take you out. No, no, no. He's going to fan it into flame again. And we're going to ask him to do it today. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, this was to me. This word was to me. I'm in pain. I've been going through some pain. I need the Lord to help me in this pain. And I need to hear that he's not against me. He's for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? And I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so if the flame is burning low, I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, I need your strength. I need your fire. I need you to touch me. I need you to breathe on me with fresh life. With fresh life. With fresh life. Amen. Just lift your hands. Uh, The Holy Spirit is already here. And I believe it's not going to take much for him to touch you right where you stand. Just say, Jesus, I need your touch right now. Say to him, I'm a cracked jar. And Lord, I need to be made whole again. I, I need you to fix what I can't fix. I need you to do what I can't do. I need you to heal what I can't heal. I need you to get me beyond this pain. I need you to get me over this mountain, through this valley. I need you, Lord. Touch me today, Jesus. Now, we're going to worship for just a moment. And as we worship, I want you to let the Spirit of God touch you right where you are. He needs a mic up here. There he goes. I worship you. gospel, but maybe today, even in church, you have a question mark about whether or not you're really God's child through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I want to make it as easy as I can for you to pray with me right where you are. Listen, if you've got a question mark about it, that's something you need to pay attention to. The Lord wants to be sure that you are sure that you are his. It says that we may know that we have eternal life. And so right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you've got that question mark in your mind, or if you know you need Jesus, I want you to pray with me right now. Just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, come into my heart right now, this hour. I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now with our heads bowed, quickly, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you, would you lift your hands right in the air and just say, I prayed it with you. Don't be ashamed. Just lift them up. God bless you. God bless you back there. God bless you. Now if you prayed that with me, look at me if your hand is raised. If you prayed it with me, as soon as I dismiss, would you come up here and I want to give you something to take home with you, okay? I rejoice with you. you came to Christ today. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. 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 How many of you are glad he's not out to get you unless it's blessed, healed, delivered, and filled? Amen. Amen. All righty. How many of you needed this today? Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, Wednesday night, I start a brand new series on the 23rd Psalm. I'm just calling it The Shepherd. Now, you're going to be shocked at how those six verses in the 23rd Psalm come alive to you. Because a lot of the ways that we interpret the 23rd Psalm aren't accurate because we don't know what a shepherd goes through. So I'm going to share the 23rd Psalm with you through the eyes of a real, genuine, Middle Eastern shepherd. And it is gonna, it is so going to bless you, all right? So we start 23rd Psalm, uh, Wednesday night. Just come and have a great meal with us and enjoy that Bible study. And then we need media volunteers. Look at those cameras. See him waving from the camera? Well, one of them's waving, the other one, there we go. All right, we need people to help us operate the cameras. And we need people to help us operate the switcher. And you don't know what that means, but we will train you what that means. Some of you have been wondering, how can I plug into the church? Well, you can end up sitting right up there, running one of these cameras, trying to make me look good. And that's not easy. Okay? All right. So where do they go if they want to volunteer? Michael, where do they go? Back there where Michael is. Raise your hand, Michael. Look back there. That's him. Go back there. Right to that... uh, little media area and talk to michael and he will tell you what to do all right let's count no we're not going to count i want to bless you prayers come down i have some prayers i want to come down and they want to pray with you but let me bless you as they come if you need prayer make your way down to them and those of you that pray with me don't forget to come down and let me meet you father i thank you for this congregation i pray you will bless them they will be blessed when they're going out and they're coming in blessed in the storehouse and in the field that Lord their home will have peace their marriage will have peace and Lord you will favor them this week with the favor of God publicly and privately in Jesus mighty name amen God bless you you're dismissed